Matthew 14 is quite an action-packed chapter. We have the feeding of the the multitude. This just happened right before our reading uh, today begins in verses 22. And the multitude that's referred to is the multitude that had gathered that that he fed with the five loaves and the two fish. Verse 22. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out, come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come, come down out of the boat and walked on the water to, to, to go to Jesus, but when he saw the wind that was boisterous, he was afraid. And, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. We are going to be working out of Matthew chapter 14, if you want to open your Bibles again, if you've closed them. But but we will be looking at that account as we go through this lesson. So keep your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 14, looking at at those verses 22 through 33 that Kevin so uh, read so well. When I was a senior in high school, I graduated from a little school uh, a class of 22 people in Springfield, Colorado, down in the corner, southeast corner of the, of the state of Colorado, uh, right ab- above Oklahoma and right in, in the panhandle, right above uh, Texas. And in April, I w- was asked by one of my classmates to go down to Amarillo and sing at her cousin's wedding. I didn't know this person, but she asked me to go down and sing. And so... The wedding time came around and she told me that I would be riding with relatives, not her relatives, but relatives of the person getting married down in Amarillo. So I got into a car on a Friday afternoon for a two and a half hour drive with five other people that I didn't know. This this car that that sat six. So we're all crowded in there. And for two and a half hours, I was going to ride with with these people, three in the front seat, three in the back. I was in the middle on that hump. And it was an older couple in their 80s on each side of me, the man and the woman. And they were, well, their, 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 word, their, their words were, uh, they, they had flowery speech, maybe you can say. And they were passing back and forth over me a whiskey bottle. And they were arguing the whole time and they were getting angrier and angrier with each other and the driver and telling the driver. And so I sat for two and a half hours like that. And when I got down to Amarillo and and we had the rehearsal, we went back to a house and I sat there in the middle of all these strangers as they proceeded uh, to get drunk. And I I wasn't a Christian at this time, but but I I wasn't uh, drinking either. But but it was it was uncomfortable and I was ready to get home. All I wanted to do was sing and get home. On the way home, this is in April, on the way home from Amarillo, it got cold. The wind started blowing from the southwest. 
and it got really cold and the clouds came in and it started snowing and it wasn't snowing just a little bit. It was snowing big, wet flake, flakes of snow, fast, a lot, started to accumulate and it was basically a whiteout. My, my grandma, who lived in, in the area at that time, called it a Albuquerque Low. Anyway, we were driving on that road from Amarillo to, back to Springfield, and, uh, and the snow was so bad we could only go about 20 miles an hour. You could barely see in front of us. I, I, was, I was in the back seat, you know, looking for cars coming right at us until the driver told me to go ahead and sit back and let him drive. I was very nervous about that, and the people on each side of me weren't happy about the situation either, but at least they had their whiskey. Uh, it came to a point, as it started to get dark, that they started talking about pulling over and finding a place, finding a house, finding a hotel to spend the night, and I finally spoke up. I hadn't said much throughout the weekend, but I said, I'd, if it's possible, I'd really like to get home. We got closer and closer to that Colorado line in Oklahoma, and I thought, we're going to make it, we are going to make it, but the decision was made to pull over. There was a farm that one of the people in the car, they knew the people there, so we we pulled over, and uh, all I wanted to do, all I wanted to do was get home, go through the storm, get to the safety and the warmth and the peace and the familiarity of my house and room, room. And I'll talk about that in just a little bit. But we, we have a story of in Mark chapter 14, Matthew chapter 14, of people going through a storm. Of people going through a storm, trying to get through a storm and finally getting through the storm or the storm ending. It's that story that Kevin read to us. It's practical to us today. We're going to make some observations from the text and hopefully apply that those observations to our lives. But the first thing I want us to notice about this story and about the, the apostles being, the disciples being in this boat and, and being sent on their way is that they were sent on their way. I don't know if you noticed the wording in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Uh, Jesus sent his, he made them get into a boat, made them get into a boat. He pushed them off. He, he, he intentionally sent the disciples into the storm by themselves without him. Did he know that the storm was coming? He's God. Yes, he knew that the storm was coming. Did, does he seem to deliberately send them into the storm? Yes. Why? I'm not sure. But they certainly did grow from it. So he, de he decides that he will send them into this situation where a storm's going to come out. But what about us and our Christian walk? What about us in this storm of life that we go through? Who, how did we get here? Well, if you look at Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus says to him, to the apostles, to the disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And we use that scripture as a call for us to go out into the world. Jesus is called the Great Commission, telling us that we as well need to go into the world. We are being sent out into this world. Jesus sends us into this mess of a storm called the world. There are a lot of times in life when, when we feel safe. We might feel safe in the middle of a storm in a warm house. Even though lightning and thunder is all around us and the wind is whipping, we, we feel safe in that house. 
But we can never judge our safety on the basis of our, of our circumstances alone. If you think about it, where, where were the disciples safer? Were they safer on land or in the sea? What was going on that Jesus, Kevin mentioned that Jesus just fed the multitudes. In, in John 6, 14 and 15, the same account, those men, when they had seen the sign, and, and Kevin pointed out, it's the sign of the five barley loaves and the two fishes be, being used as food. They see the sign in John 6, 14 and 15. They see the sign that Jesus did and they said, truly, this is a prophet who has come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself, take him by force. He perceived that they're going to try to take him by force. The motivation now is he sends the followers, the, the apostles away. He goes off by himself to pray. But where are the apostles safer? In the boat or on land with these men who are getting ready to do it, to go against the will of God? In the boat, according to the will of God, Jesus wants them in there and they follow his will. Or on land, contrary to the will of God. Notice some false senses of security that we often have. We, we may have a false sense of security because we have money. We, we have finances that we need and so we have that sense of security. Or we might have lack of security, feeling of security because we don't have money. We might have, uh, we might have alarm systems in our homes so that if someone were to break in, we would, we would know. Or, or fire, or carbon monoxide, or whatever, whatever uh, an alarm system we have. We might have guns. We, we might rest in the military. We might have our jobs that we make us feel secure. But all of those bring a false sense of security because there are no guarantees there. Scripture does not teach that after we obey the gospel, everything will be smooth sailing. Scripture doesn't teach that. We would like for it to, but it doesn't. In fact, it teaches the opposite. It teaches the opposite. Smooth sailing. John 16, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace, great, in the world. In this world, in John 16, in this world that I have sent you in, you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. 2 Timothy 3, 12 reads, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Acts 14, We must go through many tribulations uh, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. We are pretty much promised that we're going to have hard times, that storms will arise. And in reality, if you think about it, Christianity doesn't teach us how to avoid the storms. Christianity teaches us how to navigate through the storms of life, how to navigate through the waters, good and bad, the waters of joy and the waters of depression and the waters of distress, the waters of sadness and sickness and persecution the waters of sin and despair and, and, and happiness. Christianity teaches us where to go and how to go and how to get there the way that we need to. Jesus has sent us out into the world for a reason. Why? Back in Mark 16, 15, go into the world and preach the gospel. And Satan does not want us to fulfill that that commission. 
He doesn't. He says he's going to do whatever he can to stop us, to make us fail. He's going to try to make us fail. And he's going to make it hard on us. So Jesus sends his people into the boat, makes them get into the boat. That's one observation. Another observation is Jesus, what was he doing while they were out on the storm? What was he doing? He goes off by himself and he, and he goes to pray. He's praying. I don't know what he prayed about, but he was praying. Scripture says he was praying to himself, not praying to himself, but he was praying on his own, went off by himself. We read in Mark 6.48, then when he saw in, in the same account, in a different, uh, a different account, same situation, then when he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them or contrary to them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. What do we know from that? Jesus is praying by himself. And yet he knows that the disciples are struggling. And so what happens? He knows what they need. He knows what their needs are. He sees them and knows their needs. And we can rest easy knowing that Jesus sees us and sees our needs and cares about them. Matthew 6, 8, for your father knows the things you have need before you ask him. He sees. First Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him. For he cares for you. Jesus sees the disciples, sees that they have a need and cares about that need. How do we know? Now, I don't know if Jesus was praying for his disciples, but we know that he prays for us. And how do we know that? We have scripture like Romans 8.34 that reads, who, who is he who condemns? Question mark. Who is he who condemns? Romans 8.34. It is Christ who died and furthermore is also writ, risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. What does that mean? That's a Bible word, isn't it? Intercession. He prays on our behalf. Jesus knows our needs and he prays for us. He meets those needs, but he's also talking to God on our behalf. Jesus prays for us. Why? He prays for us during the storms of our lives. Why? Because he wants us to succeed. He wants us to get through those storms. First Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I read that this morning. A few more that I, I read in just a moment uh, from this morning. But Matthew ten twenty two, and you will be hated by all for my namesake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. And then Revelation 2.10, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. There is something to be had through perseverance. But know this, we only get that because Jesus wants us to have that. And he died so that we can get this crown. And he's praying for us on our behalf so that we can get through these storms. And so we need to trust God's power during the storms of life. Mark 4.39 then he arose, rebuked the wind, said to the sea, peace be still, still. The wind ceased and there was great calm. He has that power over the nature. He has the power to stop a storm with a word. Peace be still. So why wouldn't we trust in him? 
First Timothy 4.10. For, for to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust. Because we trust in the living God. Proverbs 3.5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. We trust this man, this, this Savior, this Messiah who has the power to stop the wind and still the storms in life. We believe He does and we believe He will. And Jesus prays for us. Another observation. Jesus came to them in verses 24 and 27 of Matthew 14. He came to them during the storm. And we can, we can rest easy in that as well. That Jesus cares enough about us to come to us in those times of storm. Sometimes we feel like God may have deserted us. We know that David did feel like that. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He, he, he writes like that. We know Elijah at one point felt like, felt like it, it, it'd be better for me just if I hadn't been born. Because he feels all alone. Sometimes we feel like that and that's sad. But we have to depend upon Jesus solely. And sometimes... Props need to be removed so that we can solely rely on Jesus. And I say that because you think about some of the things that happened in order right before Jesus came walking to these people. Some things had to be removed. Jesus, in Matthew 14, 23, is no longer with them, sends them away. He, he stays, leaves him lets them leave without him, they're without him. He sends them away. That prop has been removed. The boat is in the middle of the sea. In, in the middle of the sea, John six nineteen. The boat is a long way from the land, maybe three or four miles away. So they're all alone without Christ in the middle of the sea. It's late. The fourth watch, the fourth watch of the night, between three AM and six AM it's late. I go to bed about 9.30. I can't ima imagine being up that late now. Now. But it's late for them and they're struggling. That has been removed. The wind was blowing straight in their faces. Mark 6.48 and John 6.18 tells us, and, and, and this account as well, tells us that they were rowing, that they were striving against the wind. They were making no headway in Mark 6.48 they were making no headway in this wind, although they were trying desperately. The, the word for straining in this scripture, in Mark 6.48, they were straining at the oars. It's, it's a word that you, is used to, to paint a picture of being tormented. They were being tormented by this wind, trying to... That's the situation that they're in. And so when Jesus shows up, at that point, he's their only hope. And what is their reaction? They are, blind, they are blinded by the storm and their struggle and their situation. And they don't see who it is coming to them. And a lot of people have speculated, well, maybe they just didn't recognize him because of the wind and the rain and the, and the seas and everything. And he's walking on the water. And what is their reaction? Casper. <laughs> Ah, it's a, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. In verse 26. 
Sometimes fear blinds us. And you can remove all the props around us that make us feel secure and we get scared. We're on our own. The storms are raging. We're straining. We're tormented. We, we are without Jesus, we feel like, and we're afraid. And when, we, when Jesus is right there, we're so afraid that we can't see him and we notice him, but we call him by something else. It's a ghost. An apparition. Jesus came to them during a storm and he comes to us during our storms. And Jesus helped them grow through the storm. Why, why did he make them go through this? I believe that he was preparing them. Preparing them for things to come. Hardships to come. He, he, they had to grow. They, they are going to be with him for three years. And they're going to be watching some amazing things happen. And they're going to be being fed. And they're going to be being nurtured. They're going to be being taught for three years. They're going to be constantly surrounding him and marveling at him and, and being protective of him. Remember, people are trying to get to him and they're pushing him. Leave, leave the master alone. They're protecting him for three years. But he knows that there's a, going to be a time when he's not there physically. And Acts, throughout Acts, we read about that happening. They had to grow in the absence of Christ physically. They had to help each other grow in their own ministries. They had to each grow when it seemed like Jesus didn't care and he wasn't there. They still had to be growing. He, he, he did care and he was there, but he still, they still had to grow. And so you think about Peter. And, and we do need to honor him. We do need to, to look at him and say, yeah, he did a good thing. He did a good thing. At least Peter had faith to get out of the boat and go to Jesus. A lot of times my problem is, as the storms are raging, all I want to do is, is get to safety and get through the storm and get, get on the other side of it and get past it. Storms of life. And I don't realize, no, this is a time that I could be walking with Jesus. And Peter recognized that. A lot of times my problem is that I'm just too afraid and I'm cowering in, in, in the middle of the boat as possible. I'm too busy sitting in the boat and watching and, and, and we never get out of our comfort zone. I never get out of that and grow. And a lot of people are, are like me are, are sitting on the sidelines a lot of times in great fear. We're watching the storm happen. We're hoping that we don't have to go through it instead of running to Jesus and letting him just walking with him through a storm. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Peter was actually walking on the water and he made it. He got close to him. But he's walking on the water in the middle of this storm doing an amazing thing. Wouldn't that be wonderful to not worry about the storm at all? Just know that here's an opportunity for me to walk with Christ. Rather than worry about what's going on. Peter got close to Jesus. We know that. How do we know that? Because they were able to make contact. Peter got close to Jesus and then he begins to sink because he lets his circumstances overwhelm him. He takes his focus off of Christ. But at least, at least he has the sense to, to, to swallow his pride and cry out for help as he starts to sink. 
He has the sense to cry out to Christ. And a lot of us, at different times, when we hit rock bottom, we got there because we didn't ask God for help. We get to rock bottom because we're too prideful to ask Christ to step in. We are too prideful to ask for any kind of help. We're too prideful to say, I am failing and I need someone to lift me up. And that should be God. We find ourselves neck deep in trouble and then we start to pray. But we need to ask for God's help before we start, before we sink all the way down. When we realize that we're sinking. And so Jesus will help us grow through the storms because we see that he was helping his apostles. And finally, Jesus, like the apostles, will see me through the storm. Will see me through the storm. And I get that from Matthew 14, 29 and then 31 through 34. Peter sank and we may sink ourselves, but with God's help, we will always succeed when we allow him to help us. Peter and Jesus, I don't know how it happened. I, I, I don't know if both of them, they, they would have had to, wouldn't they have? Both of them would have walked back. When, once Peter makes contact with Christ and he's not sinking anymore, both of them took a trip together. From where Peter was sinking back into the boat. If I will walk hand in hand with Christ through the storm of life, then I'm going to succeed. And if I don't, I'm going to sink. And if I sink, I'm going to drown. I read this this morning too. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. All things. I can float. And not only float, I can walk on the surface of a, of a, on a surface that shouldn't be walked on. I can do that through Christ. So hopefully, as the, the disciples went through this process, hopefully they, hopefully this lesson helped prepare them for storms that they were going to face. I mentioned the book of Acts. But we can use this lesson to, to help us prepare for future storms in our lives, deal with current storms. What was their reaction once they realized who Jesus was and he shows up and he calms the storm? What's their reaction? He has worshipped. I believe that, that that was one of the reasons why these apostles, why these followers had to go through this storm is so that they so Christ again can be magnified. And he was gloriously. He's worthy of our adoration. He's worthy of our worship. And when we really come to know him, we're going to love him. We're going to appreciate him and we're going to be worshipful of him. Jesus's disciples made it through the storm on the other side. So that they could what? So that they can continue with him, go through the process of losing him, regaining him, and then serving him for the rest of their lives. They made it to the other side because they had a purpose. When we come through storms of life, it should cause us to be faithful until death and to look for ways to serve other people. Going back to that storm in, in Colorado. I was overruled. I was overruled. I, I desperately wanted to not spend the night anywhere. I didn't want to stop. I knew that if we stopped, we would be stuck. And we were. We ended up stopping at that farmhouse, staying with that family, 
that one of the people as I, that I was traveling with knew. And we woke up to snow all around us. And that, and that automobile that we were traveling in was not four-wheel drive. It was not a, a, an SUV. It was a, a car. And we were stuck for a day with people that I didn't know, didn't want to be around. We were snowed in the next day. And we were less than 20 miles from home. 20 miles from home. We almost made it, but we didn't get quite there because we weren't willing to finish that trip through the storm. It's worth getting on to the other side, but I contend that it is worth going through a storm with Christ. Not to get to the other side, but to walk with Christ. And so, Christians... We need to be walking with Him through those storms and allowing Him to make contact with us, focusing on Him and not, and not just floating through the storms, but actually getting out and walking with Him through those storms. And if we haven't been doing it like that, then we've been doing it wrong. And so we're going to offer an invitation. And if you're a Christian who needs to respond in any way, repent of anything and, and ask for prayers, and if you need to do that, then, then do that. And we'll rejoice with you and love on you. That would be a privilege. If you're not a Christian, you un- but you understand that you have sins that are separating you from God and you're ready to take care of that. And you know that you have to do that by repenting or turning away from those sins and confessing Christ before men and then putting him on in baptism after you- and then living faithfully. If you understand that and you're ready to do that, then, then the invitation is being extended as well. You might be, as a Christian, guilty of trying to weather the storms all by yourself. Jesus is there for you, but so are other people. So are other people. And I just want to encourage you to let those people go through those storms with you, to hold you and carry you and keep you dry and keep you protected, because we are the body of Christ, and Christ is with us. If you need to respond in any way, let's do that now as we stand.